power. What? I don't have any power. Okay. Okay, you got it? Hmm. We lost power. Uh, guys. Oh, boy. I hear John. All right. I hear Diana. Yep. Oh, but I'm not, uh, I'm not getting the feed from... Uh... Yeah, Diana, for some reason, we are having trouble with the... Uh... We're having a trouble problem with, with the audio. So, but, and we're not getting uh -oh. our theme. So we just won't have, a, but we'll just say hi Wait, to everybody. Gonna... Hi, we're, we're going oh, uh, okay. crazy uh, here. Um, okay. Uh, we are having a signal problem with Diana and uh, here, John. Well, I think I have figured out what has gone, gone wrong and I'm going to start it again. There it goes. All right. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It's 7 o'clock, a little after 7 o'clock now on this Saturday night, which means, as usual, it's time for the other podcast. I'm your host, Robert Stacy McCain. And I am not. I'm the other guy on the other podcast. And I was also the guy fiddling with flaky cables, uh, but we finally got our theme going. Flaky cables. Uh, yes, this huh? is John Hogue, uh, the other guy on the other podcast. And... Uh, Diana was on the board here for a while, but I don't see her. She'll, uh, uh, we'll see if we get her she back. Will, I'm sure she will call back in uh, right now. We, uh, we're, uh, uh, it is very, the weather outside is frightful right now. Uh, the skies have darkened and the wind is gusting. And so if we lose you, uh, don't worry, we probably haven't been killed in a tornado, but yeah, uh, well, we'll see. Uh, but anyways, but, uh, uh, you know, this is this, this is the other podcast. Yep, and Stacy blogs at the other McCain, and I don't. Yeah, uh, my my good friend John Hogue blogs at hoguash.com. Uh, and I I see Diana is back with us. Hi, Diana. Hey, um, I had a lightning strike. Like the you don't even get a boom; you just get a crack. So, <laughs> I, I apologize. Uh, yeah, okay. well, we're having a th we're having a thunderstorm here as well, so that we we should be properly tied in. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you're alive, uh, uh, Diana, because we can't yeah. say the same for Pansy Fulton of Valdosta. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> Uh, a Valdosta man is charged with uh, murder after a woman was killed Friday night, police said. 
About 11.30, police headed to a home on Euclid Circle after mm-hmm. uh, 911 received a call about a possible homicide. The caller said a relative had claimed he killed his girlfriend. Uh, yep. They found the suspect walking out of the residence and detained him. They found Pansy Fulton, 55, of Valdosta, inside the home with an apparent gunshot wound. She was declared dead on the scene. And this yep. is why squatting is so dangerous, because the <laughs> cops were responding to a real one this time. Yeah, George Tucker, 70, of Valdosta, is charged with murder and other crimes. I, I imagine the other crimes mm-hmm. are kind of like like less important than murder. But this happened a lot less. On U- <laughs> this happened on Euclid Circle. Mm-hmm. Uh, Euclid was he all about the circles? Uh, well, I, geometry in general. U- <laughs> yeah, geometry in general. Well, Euclid Circle is a a, a little street uh, just off Barack Obama Boulevard. It's Bob. In, uh, Bob, it's Bob. Yes. It's not Barack Obama Boulevard. Barack Obama Boulevard would have more than two lanes, and this only has two lanes. It's Bob. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. That may be accurate. For example. Well, anyways, but, accomplishments. but this is uh, uh, this is uh, about uh, three miles away from uh, where you live there on Tombs oh, yeah. Street. Yeah, uh, I'm and, on Gordon. Uh, I'm not on Tombs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, the no, intersection no. of Tombs and Gordon. Yes, Indeed, we are. Gordon. I, I, by the way, but you know, we we, I, we talked about the fact that I don't blog uh, at the other McCain. As a matter of fact, I didn't blog much at all this week. It was mm-hmm. a week of slow blogging because, unlike so many other denizens of the interwebs, I actually spend <laughs> the bulk of my life in the real world, and the real world was eating me alive this week. Oh wow. Um, and uh, to give you an idea of the sort of nonsense I was putting up with, uh, on Thursday, we discovered uh, while we were doing a, a test on a, a piece of critical flight equipment for the project I'm working on, that uh, one of the uh, test devices didn't uh, provide a fast enough signal to test what we were needing to test. And so we mm-hmm. said, well, we could do this, that, and the other thing to, to modify the, the test setup and went and looked and uh, we'd used up all the parts that were left over from a previous project. So I went online and found some at a place in Texas and uh, had them shipped overnight. Well, allegedly shipped overnight by FedEx. Mm. Um Basically, Friday, late Friday afternoon, uh, they uh, said uh, that they were going to deliver the stuff uh, that was supposed to be delivered on Friday on Monday. So I called their 800 number, which sent me off in this maze of uh, phone menus. And this one, you don't even press numbers for. You have to talk mm-hmm. to it. Oh, Lord. And when, I, when I finally got to a human being, uh, I was told that the shipment was delayed because of high volume of uh, stuff going through uh, their facility, the FedEx facility in Linthicum, Maryland, which is down by BWI Airport. Uh, and basically, no help was offered. So I went on at FedEx Help on Twitter, mm-hmm. um, and they were also unhelpful. And they told me that it, the uh, stuff wouldn't be available until Monday. And basically, I've been told that they put the stuff in a container someplace, and no one's even going to bother to touch the container until Monday. Um, uh, and th- this isn't the first time 
this year that FedEx has screwed up and delayed a shipment like that. Wow. Uh, and uh, so I'm at the point now where I don't believe I'll ever voluntarily use FedEx again. I mean, if they're the only way I can ship something, obviously I'll have to. But when well, it absolutely positive. Whatever happened to the guy who like the uh, uh, the FedEx guy who would like get a helicopter to come and pick things up out of uh, when they were snowbound? Well, I mean, uh, what, uh, what's happened to FedEx? Well, I, I'll tell you something else that's happened. Of course, you know they had they guarantee that if they don't make their deliveries, they'll refund the shipping yeah, charges. Yeah, free. But they but they refund them to the shipper. Oh, oh. <laughs> Well, so, maybe the shipper will have the courtesy I, to refund your your shipping charges to you, but well, the I company doubt I, the, somehow. The, no, no. Actually, the company I'm dealing with, I would be absolutely shocked if they don't go after FedEx uh, for a mm. refund and then credit uh, the uh, account that uh, uh, was involved. But you know, that's that's the way my my life has 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 gone for the last oh, I don't know. Uh, Basically the week. Well, at least you weren't riding the bus. Yes. 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 <laughs> riding in a bus down the boulevard and the place was pretty packed. On a seat, so I had to stand with the perverts in the back. <coughs> it was smelling like a locker room. There was junk all over the floor. We're already packed in like 13 for stopping to pick up more liquor. <laughs> another one rides the bus, sir. Uh, another one rides the bus, sir. Uh, and another comes on, and another comes on. Another one rides the bus, sir. Uh, hey, you gonna sit by you? Another one rides the bus. Okay, I, 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 I see what goes. It's that the 45 Stockton. Out. It's the 45, it's the 30 Stockton. It's all the buses I was ever on. <laughs> Actually, that's uh, Weird Al Yankovic. I know. For those of you who aren't Dr. Demento fans. Well, actually, that's his performance that he did on The Tomorrow Show. It's Tom Snyder, if you remember that. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. Vaguely. By the way, that was my comment to the post we're going to get to. I'm going to point out that when <laughs> I rode the bus back in Nashville, the buses mm. were clean and neat and on time. But I was <sighs> on the route that carried uh, uh, on the way out in the morning the uh, maids to work in people's houses. And on the way mm -hmm. in in the morning, people going to work in important places downtown and then mm -hmm. reverse the flow in the evening. So uh, it was an amazingly uh, different uh, set of uh, bus rides than you could have in other parts of the uh, and, and Let about me put it what this year way. was this, John? This was, uh, this was 60, the 60s. Okay. okay, let me put it this way. Um, I was on a brand new Muni car uh, way back, back in, I guess it was 17. And it was such an astonishing sight. It was clean, orderly, all this good stuff that I actually took a picture for posterity. At some point, that picture is probably going to be picked up. So for, for somebody to say, hey, it wasn't always like this. Well, yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's, it's interesting uh, how um, 
things have changed. Well, Stacey, you've had experience writing. Yeah, yeah. Let me let me explain what we're talking about. Okay, I had a post this week called "White People Don't Ride the Bus." When I got hired by the Washington Times in 1997, we moved from small town Georgia to the D.C. suburbs in Montgomery County, Maryland. I found an apartment in Gaithersburg and told my old college buddy, Patrick Carter, may he rest in peace, mm-hmm. um, who grew up in the suburbs of Washington, how pleased I was with the location. Our apartment was just three miles from the northwest terminus of the Metro Rail Red Line at Shady Grove Station, and there was a bus stop right next to the apartment complex, which would make my commute to D.C. much easier. Patrick's Mm. response was memorable. Quote, white people don't ride the bus. It was one it was one thing to ride the metro train. Everybody did that, but riding the bus uh so, not something white people did in the DC area. Now, as it happens, on most days either I drove to the Shady Grove station or my wife dropped me off at what they call the kiss ride. Mm-hmm. But on days when my commute did not Uh, did involve riding the bus to or from the station, I could vouch for the truth of Patrick's observation. Often, I was the only white person on the bus, but if there was another white person on the bus, he usually had the unmistakable look of got my license suspended after my third DUI. (laughs) (laughs) Bus riding was a shameful necessity, a socially stigmatized lower class phenomenon. And once I perceived this, the fact that I was on the bus because we only had one car and my wife couldn't pick me up that evening for whatever reason, felt like a sort of humiliation. The (laughs) downscale ghetto cracker. Okay, so if bus riding had such sociological implications in leafy green suburban Gaithersburg, what must be the situation in Queens, New York? And here we come to the news hook. Hate crime probe. 57-year-old suffered lacerations and bleeding from the attack and needed three staples to close her head wound. Mm. Woman beaten on bus as attackers allegedly, allegedly yelled they, quote, hate white people. Mm-hmm. And it talks about a woman who, by the way, has given interviews uh, to the media. Mm. Her name is Jill LaCroix. And she said one reason they attacked her is they thought she was a Trump voter. Okay. Accordingly, oh, she said they God's got on the bus. Sake. Yeah. But anyways, uh, there's the New York Police Department's hate crime task force is investigating the incident. And uh, there are three suspects at large uh, in New York. And I said, probably my old buddy Patrick would say, see, didn't I tell you? But just try to imagine the media reaction if the role, if the roles were reversed in this Queens case and three white people had beaten up a black person while making hateful comments like that. CNN would be leading the story every hour 
all week long as it is. Oh, yeah. They're ignoring oh, it. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, you know, the, it's interesting what CNN <laughs> ignores for the news. Uh, for example, they haven't really been tightly covering uh, the, the uh, primary we just had here in Maryland. Um, <laughs> you know. Um, sort of and uh, sort of not. <laughs> well, you know, the legacy media headlines that did happen were was uh, seemed to be that Trump endorsed candidate Dan Cox has won the Republican nomination. Now, I want you to notice the word order. Trump is mentioned before Dan Cox. Yeah, right? which it, doesn't seem fair to Dan Cox. But well, but you know, but that's the, the, it's about Trump. It's not mm -hmm. about uh, uh, what's actually happening here. So mm -hmm. you know, and Cox won about fifty-six percent of the vote in the Republican primary, and he was fifteen points ahead of the candidate endorsed by the sitting governor Larry Hogan. Mm -hmm. uh, the big question is, can Cox win in November? We've had a rhino governor for the past eight years, uh, which has mm -hmm. been better than having any of the Democrat alternatives. Yeah, what happened, I by the know. way, and, and people are, are, are wondering, you know, well, how did this Hogan guy get elected? He was a, a veteran state legislator, and mm -hmm. um, the fact is the Democrats uh, just, they ran crazies that not even the Democrats could develop turnout for. Yeah, it, it, they, yeah. they ran Baltimore-based crazies. It's, it's, it's Baltimore is the problem in Maryland, period. Mm. Uh, well, yes, that in uh, Montgomery County enabling Baltimore. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, the, wow. But the thing is, the uh, Democrats outregister Republicans in Maryland two to one. But mm -hmm. Wes Moore, the guy who won the uh, the Democrats' primary, only got 36 percent of the vote. Okay, so clearly he doesn't have the kind of stirred up backing to start with that Cox has. Now, in Carroll County, where I live, the registration is the other way around. It's two to one favor of the Republicans, and mm -hmm. Cox's turnout in. Well, the Democrats' turnout in Carroll County was so low that Cox's, Cox's vote by itself, forget about the other Republicans, Cox's vote by himself beat the uh, entire Democratic turnout by like 40, uh, it's like 140 percent of what the Democratic turnout was. Now, that isn't going to be like that uh, throughout the state. But in the areas that have the saner voting patterns, Western Maryland, the Eastern Shore, and mm -hmm. perhaps even some of the purple counties, yeah, it's, it might be that Cox can win. We'll see. But it's going to be a completely turnout-driven election. And the fact that Biden is even 12 points underwater here in Maryland, uh, it's going to be an interesting autumn. Yes, and, and uh, my comment on the Maryland primary was that despite the media's deranged obsession, not everything is about Trump. Yeah. Um, what happened was that there was a signal glitch on my cable, and, and Fox News wouldn't come in, so I switched the, my home office TV over to CNN, and man, I, I mean... Every hour, it's January 6th now, 
January 6th tomorrow, January 6th forever. I mean, they are just so obsessed with the insurrection and Trump uh, that they Some can't talk about anything else. And and when it, when it came around to um, the Maryland primary, the only thing they cared about was that, ooh, this Trump-endorsed candidate had won the uh, uh, governorship. And what does that mean? Ooh, this extremist character and stuff like that. Well, Democrats actually spent more than a million in ads trying to make sure this guy got the nomination. They've done mm-hmm. this in other states, too. Because oh, yeah. they have this idea that these extremist fringe candidates endorsed by Trump, well, they are certain to lose in November. Yeah, let's ask Terry McAuliffe how that theory works out. Yeah. Well, on, the other, on the other hand, he didn't have Baltimore and Montgomery County to rely on. Or yeah. PG well, County, for that matter. Well, I'm, mm. I'm just saying is that... If uh, it, Virginia can get awfully blue, you know. Well, um, it has I, been it has been trending that way, but anyways, um, but in the media coverage, they focused on this Trump angle and, and didn't even pay attention to the fight for the sixth district nomination, which for me is the most interesting race in the state because it's a chance to flip a traditionally conservative, used to be conservative Democrat when I moved here and was, lived in the district. Then we got a conservative Republican in, uh, uh, to replace her. And uh, then with gerrymandering, back when I got flipped into uh, Jamie Rasky's district, uh, the Democrats, the Democrats uh, finally managed to knock uh, uh, the 6th district off. But there's a chance, well, there's a better than 50-50 chance now that the lines are drawn back more rationally. That well, whatever the Republican nominee will win. What happened, what, uh, it, what John is talking about is that Carroll County used to be part of the Western Maryland Panhandle District that included Hagerstown and Frederick. And we got chopped up between three other districts. And, yeah. and then in, in 2010, what happened was that in 2010, uh, the Democrats in charge of the state legislature gerrymandered the hell out of it um and the and what had been roscoe bartlett's district out here in the western part of the state got um got they they drew it in a weird what they did is they reached down toward potomac maryland which is you know a a rich neighborhood down on the river well basically what they did was they put just enough population of Montgomery County, which is heavily Democrat, in, and then there, there was Frederick County, which is a purple county, and that flipped the district. Right, right, right. If they could drive turnout in Montgomery County. So so they have sort of changed that. They haven't completely, uh, they haven't reassembled the old district, and you're still represented by Jamie Raskin. Well, actually, Ruffensburgers will be my Congress critter come next January. Yeah, it's it, anyways, but it's it's just it's just sad what they've done. Well, we actually discussed this over dinner John and I last week about Parrot, but what happened was that there was this 25-year-old journalist for um the Free Beacon uh and his name is hang on I'm blanking. Foldy. What? Foldy. Yeah, yeah, Matthew Foldy. Um Matt Foldy uh and 
he was he somehow got all the national Republicans, including Donald Trump Jr., mm-hmm. uh, to endorse him. So you had both the Trump people endorsing him and Larry Hogan's people. Right, right, him. right. And I think it's unfair. I, by the way, I think it's unfair to call Larry Hogan a rhino. I mean, he is, a, you know, it, he's a Maryland, he's a blue state Republican. It's about as good as you're going to get. Well, he's a, well, he's he would fit right in with the Rockefeller Republicans, <laughs> country club I, I, Republicans. I just, hey, hey, uh, you know. Anyways, but Larry Hogan. But anyway, so Larry Hogan endorsed the guy. Uh, Kevin McCarthy endorsed the guy. They they thought you know, and the rap on Parrot, uh, Neil Parrot, uh, is the. Uh, state delegate who represents Washington County in the uh, uh, assembly, state assembly. Um, The rap on Neil Parent, well, he's a loser uh, because in 2020 he lost in the old district, as the old district, he lost to this rich guy. Uh, He may be a billionaire, Paul, I know, but he's He's the largest wine dealer in uh, North America. Right, right. Oh, wow. A guy named David Trone. David Trone um, uh, is, uh, his, loaned his campaign, quote unquote, $10 million. Uh, you know, he can just pull $10 million out of his pocket. So, so the money might matter. But anyways, uh, so everyone, um, before the primary, Matt Foldy was quoted as saying that, you know, the Republicans are completely united behind my campaign. And I said, well, somebody somebody forgot to tell the voters in the district that because uh, Matt Parent got 64 percent of it, of the vote to Foldy's 15 percent, a four to one landslide. Well, yeah, but I mean, here's the deal. He did have the support of everybody outside of the district. <laughs> yeah. 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 And that, okay. and I tell you what, I, I've always said that, uh, na- the national party, you know, national Republicans should stay out of local primaries, period. I yes. just don't like to see, uh, you know, this goes back to tea party days. You well, know, no, actually mm-hmm. people there's, there's some Democrat wisdom here from, uh, Tip O'Neill. All politics is local, mm-hmm. and 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 there there are reasons why people who would fail miserably uh, on a national election have safe seats in Congress because they represent oh, their voters. Mm-hmm. And you know what? If that person's a Republican and mm-hmm. is not going to vote for Nancy Pelosi to be Speaker, that's mm-hmm. I think that's a wonderful choice by those voters. <laughs> We don't care. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, Vote Republican. <laughs> That's yeah. all I can say. Yes. Well, you know, yes, but for one thing, all these uh, seats that the Democrats are likely to lose in November, it's just going to be another example of Joe Biden's bad luck. Bad luck. Mm. Bad luck. Bad I, luck. Bad luck, Joe. I had mm. a post, and this was before he came down with COVID, which I haven't even had a chance to blog well, about. Well, actually, I think this was even before he said he had cancer. <laughs> yeah, oh, <gasps> yeah. Oh, my God. Anyway, oh God. <laughs> but, but I headlined the item, bad, Biden just had such bad luck, y'all. And mm. uh, it's an item... 
from um, a CNN, Jill Biden on President Joe Biden's hindered progress, quote, Jeez. he had so many hopes, end quote. And, uh, <laughs> Ace of Spades had the best headline for this. Dr. Jill Biden, Joe Biden had such wonderful plans for the presidency he usurped, but darn it, the actual task of governing keeps getting in the way. And this well, had- yeah, but I mean, he's now he's got COVID, and of course that means that a lot of women are sniff safe now. But um, <laughs> but uh, okay, oh, let's get to, we'll get to the Daily Beast headlines <laughs> later. But anyways, uh, uh, it's. Uh, <laughs> this the first lady was speaking at a gathering of wealthy Democratic donors at a private mansion on Nantucket Island in Massachusetts. And as I said, some of my readers may be asking, gee, Stacy, how much does a mansion on Nantucket cost? <laughs> if you have to ask, you can't afford it. On the other hand, mm-hmm. if you can afford a mansion on Nantucket, why the heck haven't you hit my tip jar but Whoa. I digress. Well, no, let's go right to it. Stacy. that's the perfect lead-in right at, here at the bottom of the hour to the yellow button. Let's talk Indeed. about that. All right. The yellow button, folks. If you will go to my blog, theothermccain.com, you will notice near the top of the center column a yellow button with the word donate on it. If you will click the yellow button, it will take you to my PayPal account where you can... Donate dollars, shekels, yen, pesos, euros, whatever denomination you got. I don't think we're taking rubles yet, but anyways, whatever money you've got, please click the yellow button. You can donate to support the blog, to support the podcast, and of course, to keep my wife happy. Because mm-hmm. my wife likes it uh, when this, uh, uh, this blog pays money. And, and so uh, keeping my wife happy is job number one, and therefore uh, I appreciate any donations you can give. Meanwhile, over at my good friend John Hogue's blog, hoguash.com. I don't have a yellow button, but I do have in the sidebar a tip jar icon. Click on that, and you'll be taken off to my PayPal account where you can help support Hogwash or this podcast or both. Or you can just be nice and uh, make a donation because uh, you think I'm such a wonderful person. Regardless, <laughs> you can also support the blog by shopping at the Hogwash store or by using the shopping links, uh, the Amazon affiliate shopping links you'll find at Hogwash or uh, the other McCain. When you use those links, uh, the blogger posting the links gets a cut of the action. It's just actually something nice that Amazon does to support the blogosphere. Oh, oh, by the way, I will take a, uh, a, a imperial Russian gold rubles if you want to send them to me. You can find that address uh, at the DMCA contact uh, link at the top of the blog. Regardless of how you choose to support us, please remember the five most important words in the English language. Hit the freaking tip jar. Indeed. Now, (laughs) Stacey, uh, do you have anything else to say about uh, doctor in scare quotes, Jill? No, I, I, the less said about her, the better, but she was, uh, she was down there complaining that doggone it, that, you know, 
Joe just, you know, he meant to do so many good things, but events kept happening, you know, and it's like, hello, you know, you're what, not a the victim. Matt Lock, uh, the Matlock marathon? Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Well, it's just, it's it just, it's crazy. Well, yeah, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of just. Imaginary. There, well, there's, there's a lot of things finally coming due. Mm. And there's a lot of just stupidity of, and not understanding how things look to real people in the real world. Uh, oh, yeah. The Powerline blog has a, a week in pictures thing they do every Saturday. Uh, and uh, there's a wonderful, at the top of that, uh, picture of, uh, uh, of AOC with her arms behind her back as if she Sandy were really Sandy Cortez. Handcuffed. Can we just yep. call her Sandy Cortez? <laughs> well, but the next the next one down has her sitting in a room with uh, uh, someone with a clipboard who's asking, are the handcuffs in the room with us now? Yeah, folks, in case uh, you don't know, what happened was is that uh, uh, some Democratic members of Congress decided that they would protest by blocking traffic outside the Supreme Court. And uh, they, you know, the cops showed up and gave them, basically gave them tickets. Okay. You asked know, it's them not, to leave. <laughs> yeah. They were asked to leave and, and detained briefly. But, but, um, uh, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez uh, and Ilhan Omar. Uh, pretended and put their hands behind their back and acted like they had been handcuffed, which they had not. Um, but uh, but the, uh, the 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 great one there is the Babylon B headline. <laughs> Ilhan Omar uses her one phone call from jail to call both her husband. And her brother. <laughs> I didn't Actually, have to explain that. I still like the AOC still handcuffed as Capitol Police misplaced the invisible key. <laughs> <laughs> the, other good, the other good one is uh, uh, has an electrical outlet and the uh, female end of an extension cord. It is just, just trying to plug in my genderless extension cord. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's a wonderful s set of things, uh, uh, you know, anyways, but, uh, <laughs> some of the great memes on that, on that power line weekend that was pictures good. thing. There, there's several good ones there, including this headline, Marlboro. <laughs> adds puberty blockers to cigarettes to make them legal for kids. <laughs> oh, 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 that's so sick. You've got to indulge in socially inappropriate oh, laughter. My oh, my Lord. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Oh. That, that's hilarious. Oh. But, uh, yeah, I was yeah. just absolutely, I was watching that. I actually um, for in one of those moments, I happened to catch that feed live, and um, the moment where she takes her hand out from behind her to give a little fist bump 
fist pump just had me just going, you stupid woman! Yes. <laughs> you look like an idiot! <laughs> How is this happening? <laughs> yeah, and, and see, and they do this, and, and this is why one of the things I've said, and Rush Limbaugh used to say that if he ever just started in on the topic of media bias he could do mm-hmm. five you know he could do five shows a week three hours a day every week and never talk about yeah. anything else because every story is ultimately a media bias story because just yeah. imagine if republicans had done this something similar okay stage a protest get arrested and then pretend to be handcuffed playing the victim mm-hmm. You know, what, come on, man. You know, what, what, what do you, where is the media? See, and we know this because, you know, we follow the channels on the internet and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, watch Fox News or whatever. So we know about these things. But the, you understand that at its largest, um, uh, you know, that the Fox News audience doesn't reach the majority of the people. Well, nope. Yeah, but and so and so there's a large part of the public has no idea what we're talking about. Well, another mm-hmm. difference is not only are we relying on more diverse sources of information, we actually do some shoe leather reporting, right? Occasionally, oh, yeah. and uh, and actually go out and one of the matter of fact, the way we first met, we were doing both of us were doing shoe leather leather reporting on a story that related to a fellow by the name of Brett Kimberlin. That's correct. Oh, yeah. Brett, Kim- Brett Kimberlin uh, is probably most infamous for being the Speedway bomber. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, it, he uh, set a series of uh, time bombs in uh, Indiana in the late 70s. And um, back in... 2018. Now he he got a 50 plus year sentence of, mm-hmm. for all the stuff that he was involved in at the time. Uh, he was uh, paroled in uh, the 90s and had his parole revoked for two years, and they kept him for four. Uh, mm-hmm. And then he got out in 2001 or 2000 early, and uh, basically did five years of of supervised parole and had, then he uh, after that uh, they, he's basically considered to have completed his sentence Aww. but uh, in 2018 uh, he uh, filed a motion in the seventh uh, in a in the U.S. District Court where he was convicted to uh, have uh, some of the uh, speedway bombings set aside and basically, the district court ruled uh, uh, that, no, uh, this isn't something you're entitled to. The Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals okay. agreed. Uh, uh, and uh, late la- uh, just a, a short time ago, or late last year, and uh, he's now uh, appealed or said he's going to appeal it to the Supreme Court. And in fact, he has a lawyer representing him who is supposed to by August 6th, file a petition for a writ of certiorari. Um, And, you know, um, I've been following all this. And as I go through things, uh, it turns out that 
um, there was a, are you pondering what I, I'm pondering uh, <laughs> post from uh, nine years ago that uh, said, uh, uh, I think so, Brain. I wonder if he's getting his legal advice from the same uh, guy who represented Wiley in Coyote versus Acme. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and there was a running gag at Hogwash about the, the legal ideas uh, coming for uh, Brett Kimberlin's uh, <laughs> campaign of lawfare coming coming from uh, Acme Legal, uh, the legal department of, of the Acme company that used to sell stuff to the Coyote. Uh, well, it turns out there's some intersection. This is what comes from reading uh, uh the proper stuff on the internet. In this case, it's uh, legal insurrection where this one comes from. A California appeals court has ruled that LA District Attorney Gascon must uh, allow his prosecutors to uh, charge criminals under California's three strikes law. Uh, and uh, the DA is appealing that to the uh, Supreme Court of California. And this is from the uh, reporting from legal insurrection. Gascon uh, uh, has to know his chances are slim in front of the California Supreme Court, but he has retained Neil Cadial, uh, the nation's highest paid lawyer. Former <laughs> acting U.S. Solicitor General Neil Cadial uh, represented Al Gore in 2000. He uh, also charged Johnson & Johnson subsidiary uh, $2,465 an hour Ooh. in a bankruptcy case. Um, he basically, I mean, he's, he's a high-priced lawyer with an interesting string of losses. And he is also the lawyer representing Kimberlin in the Supreme Court. <laughs> in, uh, pro bono. Uh, pro bono, for free. Oh, it's not as pro bono as all that. Some, but he's getting paid somehow. <laughs> Well, either that or he thinks it's going to make the right sort of connections or whatever. But, you know, it, it, it's interesting how this is going on. But, I mean, he's right there on the application for uh, an extension of time to file a petition for writ of certiorari. Uh, it's just right there. He's There's his name. So it's counsel of record. So, you know, uh, is it Acme? What, what, are, what are the odds? You know, you, 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 you just have to wonder how things might turn out with Cameron. Beep, beep. <laughs> I don't have to wonder at all. <laughs> but anyway, go on. Oh, I like that sound bite. <laughs> oh, you like that one? Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, you can do it again. Beep, beep. <laughs> I like it. No, actually, uh, you know, Looney Tunes. Looney Tunes were something yeah, that Looney were great. Tunes. And if you've looked at the stuff coming out of Hollywood now, you know, uh, it's just like all of Southern California is falling apart. And you had this yes. story about why we can't have nice things about a place. Uh, you know, that used to be a, a wonderful place to take your family when I lived in it Orange County. Yeah, a California amusement park has was forced to close early after multiple fights broke out, causing panic. Bueno mm -hmm. Park Police 
also said numerous 911 callers also reported shots fired at Knott's Berry Farm, though investigators determined no shooting occurred at the amusement park. Knott's Berry Farm. Folks, tell me about Knott's Berry Farm from your memories of California. John, are you me for you or me first? Go. Okay. First time I was ever at Knott's Berry Farm, it was actually not, uh, there weren't a whole lot of rides. There were a whole lot of patriotic uh, commemorative things. Like you would, they had a room where you could sit in the dark and listen to footsteps while uh, somebody reading one of Patrick Henry's speeches um, occurred in, you were in Liberty Hall listening to Patrick Henry's speeches. uh, speak liberty now liberty liberty now which is by the way a very good speech anyway um and of course you didn't have the flies or the bad smells um later um i was at knott's berry farm i don't know how many times for um various uh frankly church related uh youth group related uh events um concerts when you also got to you ride all the rides i mean back when i was going there and granted this is more than 40 years ago now it was a uh it was an amusement park um it was less locked down than disney was but it was very much very family friendly uh frequently hosted religious things uh maranatha night was a big thing um every year Um, I mean, that's the kind of place it was, uh, much less, uh, not like magic, uh, magic mountain or even Disney, John. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, similar experiences. I was, uh, living in orange County the last half Mm -hmm. of the eighties and, Mm -hmm. you know, it was, it was the wholesome place to take your family. I mean, Mm -hmm. everybody who came to town, you know, wanted to go to Disneyland Uh, and Disneyland and Disneyland was an exquisite experience back then, mm-hmm. um, particularly if you could do- go on a weekday when school was in session. Yes. The owner of uh, Knott's Berry Farm, the original owner, Walter Knott, uh, mm-hmm. was, a, was a very patriotic, uh, he hated mm-hmm. communist. You know, Boy, howdy, did he. <laughs> and uh, was basically a Ronald Reagan supporter. And uh, but it was it was like a ghost town. It was like they had Wild West sort of things and things like that. It wasn't. But like you said, it was very family oriented place. Mm -hmm. Well, anyways, um, uh, it they had to close it early last Saturday night. Um, Social media video showed park security tackling groups of young people to break up a fight. Additional footage showed a young male being punched multiple times by another park goer on the pavement. I embedded in my uh, blog post the YouTube video, but for some reason they have... They have dis- decided that this video should be age restricted and only available at YouTube. So you'll have to uh, click the link to see there. But uh, uh, my the girl fight was pretty nasty. Yeah, it was. I mean, this is the word uncouth 
comes to mind here mm -hmm. uh, at, at, is, a, is that, at a mild. Um, but, you know, the, the, the thing is, is that kind of youth behavior yeah. was just not, yes, it occurred in isolated areas, but it would just be something completely shocking for Orange County mm -hmm. 35 years ago. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. yeah, in the in the 1980s, you th this happening in Orange County, California, you couldn't have imagined it. Right, well, it certainly you wouldn't happen at Knott's Berry Farm. <laughs> well, and you and you and, you know, you, you wouldn't have to go far to the north uh, uh, to get into Los Angeles County, uh, and you could uh, you it wouldn't have been that odd. But you know, it's just. Wouldn't happen just, at Bush Gardens. Security'd be on that so fast. The first punch, everybody'd be. Everybody would have disappeared. Yeah, I, 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 I just can't believe this kind of behavior. You know, is just. I know. Uh, you know, it's just it's dismaying. I'll put it to you it this is. way. But the youth of America have their own culture. Huh. Uh, well, I don't know that it's the youth of America uh, so much is. There is a there is a change in the culture of Orange County, and it is less and less American. Well, uh, you know, uh, is the I don't even understand this. Um, the thing is that everybody. Okay, the fact is, when I was in junior high and high school. And even elementary school, it wasn't unusual for uh, some kids to have a get into a fight and for everybody to form a ring to and and at least be staring. But somebody who was an adult would have intervened. <clears throat> um, and nobody well, it was even just mayhem. To dare. But the, yeah. the idea that you would be doing this at an amusement park, okay? Is that's sick. what that's what is strange. Um, yes, it's very strange. I could imagine two teenagers getting in an argument. But mm -hmm. the I, what we were seeing on the video was was just this kind of wild mob scene. Well, I mean, you mm -hmm. used to work in an amusement park. Oh, Stacey, yeah. Uh, what, 30 years ago or so? 35 years ago? Further than 40, that. Longer 40, than 40, that. 40, <laughs> yeah, yeah, 40 years ago. But when I was but, a teenager and in my early 20s, I, I worked at Six Flags Over Georgia. How how, how, how has you? something like this gone down? It just, I, you can't even imagine this happening mm -mm. in the Wouldn't. 1970s at Six Flags Over Georgia. It, it just, no. you know, this, uh, this particular kind of behavior, I, I mean, you just never saw it. I, well, it, no. I'll tell I'll tell you a big difference, and it, I'll bet you that it has something to do with the number of the uh, the percentage of these kids who are being raised in single parent uh, households with no father. Uh, yeah, there's just uh, inadequate adult supervision. Is well, no, all no, I no, can no. say. The, 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 here's the yeah. thing: mothers love their sons but they can't teach them to be men. Mm. Uh, well, those girls were not behaving like women. They were behaving badly, very well, badly. They, <laughs> yes, but well, the other thing, it, the, well, the other thing. David is, Hume could not be reached for comment. Well, <laughs> for comment, correct. Well, no, yeah. here, here, here's the thing. Mothers love their daughters, but they can't provide the the kind of support that a father provides a daughter. And, uh, you know, 
there's a reason why throughout history, stable societies have uh, had two-parent households raising children, even to the extent of if you uh, if someone were, were widowed, uh, you know, uh, an uncle, an would, uncle step would step in, in for a grandfather, to, to act. Who, yeah, grandfather, somebody. uncle, somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyways, uh, so uh, this week we had our aspiring rapper update. Oh boy, you howdy! You had a, a mega one here. Yeah, yeah. What? Uh, you know, I I have been doing these periodically uh, for a uh, few months, and and uh, going back to last year, we're well, almost. Well, you need to clue some of the people in on what the exact meaning of aspiring. <laughs> okay, aspiring rapper, and I I quote the Urban Dictionary here. Aspiring rapper, North American euphemism for a member of the urban criminal class. This unusual occupation is usually mentioned in conjunction with the subject either being slain or being taken into custody for a violent or property-related crime. A relative of the subject usually points out that the subject's demise or incarceration comes at an extremely inappropriate moment Occurring opportune moment. <laughs> yes. Occurring just as the subject was turning their life around. So, uh, so having said this, that, that this euphemism, aspiring rapper, it's been a while since we updated our readers on the leisure life of the hip hop community. Um, uh, what uh, I actually looked and it has been since May since we had Ooh. any aspiring rapper updates. So I give you a three for one here, beginning with Mario Austin, a.k.a. King Lil J. Uh, King Lil J had just got out of prison on parole in April after serving seven, seven years on a murder conspiracy charge connected to the 2015 death of his associate, Philmont Rosini in a shootout with a drug dealer. Okay. And, um, and uh, uh, so he was arrested on gun charges, uh, being a prison, uh, a felon in possession of um, firearms. And uh, one of his defenders on Twitter said he didn't deserve to be arrested, uh, arguing that he was in Chirac as they call Chicago, where the casualty <laughs> rate is like the Iraq war. In Chirac, King Lil J had a lot of ops on the street and therefore was staying strapped out of necessity of safety. Um, <laughs> and I can kind of understand that, right? You know, But you're a felon on parole and you're not supposed to be carrying a weapon. Okay, so next up is Tion Jaden Merritt, a.k.a. Little TJ, little TJ is recovering in New Jersey after being shot multiple times when, <laughs> quote, gunfire erupted at a Chipotle restaurant at Chipotle. a residential and outdoor shopping center in Edgewater, New Jersey on June 22nd. Now, I don't know about you, but when I go to Chipotle for a bowl of barbacoa rice and beans, I don't expect to be dodging gunfire. So what's the deal no. in Edgewater, New Jersey? It's right across the Hudson River from Harlem, and this proximity may explain why little TJ was the target of a 
botched robbery for which police in Bergen County arrested Mohammed Kanate, 27, of New York City. Police also arrested Jeffrey Valdez, 24, and Antoine Boyd, 22, both of the Bronx who were with the rapper and allegedly armed. Allegedly. Man, you take your Bronx crew down to Chipotle in New Jersey for some barbacoa and beans, and they can't even protect you from a robber, even though they're allegedly armed. Don't know about you, but if my security crew was so incompetent, I ain't going to pay extra for their guacamole. Right. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, you got really to know Chipotle to understand. You have to pay they extra over, for They overcharge for every little thing, and they are, and yeah. your, your, extra, your extra guac is like teeny tiny. $1.50. It's embarrassing. It's like $1.50. Not yeah. only that, the food isn't very good. Uh, don't it's terrible, don't, actually. Don't, no, I, I no, I don't want to hear anything about. Don't don't you bad mouth Chipotle. We I are love to love. Uh, we I are to Chipotle. love on Chipotle. Okay, yeah, I will love on Chipotle for you. I love the barbacoa, man. Anyways, uh, meanwhile in New York, a sad ending for a promising young performer <sighs> as fourteen-year-old Ethan Reyes, aka Nadi Osama got stabbed to death during a scuffle with a 15-year-old rival July 9th at a West Harlem subway station. The 15-year-old suspect, quote, had an ongoing feud, end quote, with Nadi Osama, sources told the New York Post, but, quote, it wasn't immediately clear what it was about. Reyes initially pushed the other boy on the subway tracks, sources said, he was then stabbed, that is, Reyes, uh, Nadia Osama. I'm still not was, clear who did what to whom. That, that, that sentence had no... He tried to run, but collapsed on the subway station uh, step. And as I said, obviously, this highlights the need for common sense knife reform laws in New York City. So. Nah, so anyway, Sub- so, subway so track. So now you are up to date with the uh, rapper, with the rap scene, and I know that means so much to our listeners. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, but i tell you what, Stacy. after all that, we're just going to go straight to the crazies. All hey, right. Yeah. Well, cue, uh, get ready to cue the outro music. Folks, uh, don't worry about it. I got everything so, Back in February, sure? I told you about the Black Hammer organization uh, <sighs> led by Augustus Claudius Romain Jr., the Brooklyn-born native uh, who calls himself Gazi Kadzo, Supreme <clears throat> Commander. Okay, he is the commander-in-chief of the Black Hammer organization, and what he actually <laughs> is is a... Um, it's a cult. Uh, what, it's a cult. <laughs> it's a cult. And and it's and sad. part of the, the, what had happened back last year is that they were going to take back the land. They had this <laughs> their, their platform. They were going to take back the land, and somehow ended up in a very uh, dry part of the Colorado Rockies, uh, was- trying to take back. <laughs> take back the land and it was a disaster and they oh, got yeah. the the law got called on them for trespassing and everything else and so they went back to Atlanta and in November Atlanta police arrested several members of the group 
when they refused in order to turn down the amplifier in they were in Woodruff Park where they've been holding their their little rallies and they were violating mm-hmm. the city's noise ordinance. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they were charged with disorderly conduct and obstruction of police. And then in December, uh, they they moved into a rented house in Riverdale, Georgia, and were evicted in December and owed $21,000 in unpaid rent. Now, folks, <laughs> how long do you have to skip your rent? How much is your rent payment that when you finally get evicted, you owe $21,000? That's about eight months. Well, yeah, that's yeah a, at that's the twenty six thousand at the twenty six hundred uh, level, which is what yeah. I'm going to guess it was. Well, yeah, I'm. I, I, I was going to say in Westminster for a three bedroom house, that's uh, seven or eight months. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyways, they took up residence in Fayetteville, which oh is my. in Fayette County, which. Uh, Last time I checked, it was uh, still pretty much Trump country down there. Mm-hmm. But the headline in the Daily Beast was infamous cult leader arrested after dead body found in home. And they use the word, they use quote marks around mm-hmm. the word cult, right? <laughs> and, and I'm like, what are you afraid somebody going to sue you for calling a cult a cult? Yeah, uh, because this was definitely a cult, and apparently, some one of their members uh, uh, was kidnapped, held hostage, and forcibly sodomized uh, by the group's commander in chief. And I don't know about you, but that's not my idea of liberation, folks. So, no. Nope. Um, so, anyways, uh, so I tell you quite a bit about Gazi Kanzo and the uh, Black Hammer uh, cult, uh, which is, I I imagine it's going to be over with pretty soon because they're going to send him up to Reedsville. He looks happy. uh, That's worrisome. (laughs) Yeah. uh, That's, uh, uh, I reckon that's where he belongs. But uh, I hear the boogie-woogie music in the background, which tells me that we're reaching the end of the podcast. And so... Uh, We will be back next week, same time, 7 o'clock on Saturday night, uh, with more of the other podcasts. Thank you for joining us from Valdosta, Diana. Indeed. See you all next week. Good night. All right. Good night, Diana. All right. Good night. Bye, y'all. Bye. Thank you.